Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Happy Friday if you're listening on the day this drops, or if it happens to be Friday whenever you are listening to it. Um, And if not, then happy whatever day it is when you are. Today, we have a short episode about the Homeric Hymn to Pan, hymn number 19. This one is a little bit longer than several of the ones we've had of late. It's a whopping 49 lines. Um, It's still not terribly long, but given that we've seen a lot of 5 to 10 line poems of late, 49 is substantial enough to provide some information about the god it's dedicated to. As with all of the Homeric hymns, I'm working from the Susan Shalmerdine translation from 1995, Um, but older translations are readily available um, online through Project Gutenberg, the Perseus Project through Tufts, um, and more. I don't don't know that I've really said that about Homeric hymns, that I'm working from a fairly recent, the whole scheme of time (laughs) translation, but but you can easily find all of of the hymns, um, easily you can find them online. Anyway. Uh, Once again, we don't have much historical context for the hymn to Pan. Um, It was one of, if not the last, in the collection. Um, It's probably from around 500 to 450 BCE. Um, It shows influence from the hymn to Hermes, which we covered in episode 60, Greek myth 8. So the hymn to Pan is likely more recent than the hymn to Hermes. Uh, The Battle of Marathon was uh, in 490 BCE, um, and according to Herodotus, Pan was worshipped in Athens after the Battle of Marathon. Um, But there's no reason um, to necessarily connect the worship of Pan in Athens to this specific hymn, because we don't know where it was written. Um, But maybe that is a marker of uh, when a guideline for when when it might have been written. Anyway, the hymn begins, as usual, with an invocation of the muse. Um, And this time it is to sing about the son of Hermes, the one who has hooves and horns and loves noise and roaming through the meadows with the nymphs. Um, The nymphs kind of like hanging out with him too. He's kind of dirty, but he has great hair. Uh, and if it's nature, he loves it. The mountains, the streams. He loves hunting throughout the day and then settling down for an evening of playing his reed pipes. Um, pan pipes, if you will. And he's a good musician. And when he plays those pipes, oh, even the sweetest nightingale can't compete. And when he plays, the nymphs sing and dance. Well, and what do they sing about? Well, one of their favorites is about how Hermes came to Arcadia and pretended he was a shepherd, you know, had just fun playing. I'm a shepherd. And it was there that he met a nymph, uh, the daughter of Dryops, and she has the horribly clever name of Dryope. Uh, (laughs) They had a fling and she had a baby. And now Dryope was kind of Okay, she was totally freaked out when the baby, uh, when when she saw that the baby had hooves and horns and a full beard. Um, But Hermes loved the baby immediately and took him up to Olympus to introduce him to the family. And the gods all thought he was pretty cute too, especially Dionysus, which makes sense because if you think about Pan, the god you most likely associate with his antics is Dionysus and his Bacchanalian feasts, right? Um... 
Because everybody loved him, they named him Pan, which means all. And with that, the poet says a formulaic farewell. Um, so a few things to comment on. First, of course, the pan pipes. And this is an instrument that was created by Hermes. So it's fitting that it is picked up by his son. Um, and it's kind of fitting that pan is an absolute virtuoso at the instrument. That's why it gets named after him, even though it's you know a set of reed pipes. But anyway, um, it's also interesting to note that he is a nature god, um, but he's also a hunter. Um, and I, I never... I, I never really think about that part. I, I usually visualize Pan hanging out with Dionysus, um, who you will recall is the god of wine. Um, so I think of his being of, of nature, totally, absolute nature god, but I don't think of him always as a hunter. Um, but we do see that there's a lot of overlap between um, between nature gods and, and hunting. Um, so for example, Artemis is a nature goddess, but she's also the goddess of the hunt. Um, finally, uh, I have to talk about Pan's birth. It's, it's really unclear the nature of the relationship between Driope and Hermes. Um, there's nothing to indicate that it is not consensual, at least in this telling. Driope seems to be pretty happy to be having Hermes' baby. Uh, until she sees him, of course, and it's kind of hard not not you know don't don't blame her for freaking out a little bit when he comes out as a half goat with a full beard. It this is not exactly what Hermes looks like. So, you know, how did the baby turn out to look like half a goat when she was sleeping with this kind of attractive god? Um, go figure. So you know it it has to have been a shock to have a baby that did not look anything like either the mother or the father. Um, <laughs> so what do you think of Pan? Does it make sense to you that he's a hunter? Um, have you ever tried to play the Pan Pipes? <laughs> Pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. Uh, the URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. On Monday, we will read Euripides' Trojan Women. Steal yourself. It's... Well, it's Euripides. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.